0: shock treatment has been given for depression for something like 40 years now it's a very successful and uh, useful treatment for severe depression that doesn't respond to other things but depatterning is a use of electroshock treatment in a totally different way in which instead of giving the shocks say two or three times a week uh, they're given two or three times a day for three or four weeks reducing the patient to a sort of animal vegetable state from which it's hoped that they would recover in a a more healthy state of mind.
1: All right, folks, welcome back to another episode of Shock Treatment with Mel and Marty. We've got an interesting episode for you this evening. We're going to do a little teaser, a little like uh, trailer, a little boost for the the old uh, production company at Boombastic Media this episode. Um, we got a couple more episodes of the treatment coming to you uh, a little later uh, this month. We got two new big guest episodes ready to drop here and on uh, Shock Treatment TV on the Boombastic Media YouTube page. But uh, we thought this would be a kind of a cool time and in between time to, you know, drop out some shows out there for folks that might enjoy. These shows that the way that they would have enjoyed A Shock treatment with Mel and Maddie show You know, to hold you off until We return with season three Of Shock Treatment with Mel and Maddie So, uh, first up on the docket for y'all Is we have our newest Endeavor This is another horror show So we think you might like this Kick it right off the bat You know what I mean? This show is, uh, it's called The Dead Kids of Derry Ain't that horrifying? Very scary stuff now, this show is a, a super cast, if you will, like a super group. Uh, it's made up of folks from Shock Treatment with Mel and Maddie, uh, Culture Shock, and Anthony T's Horror Wrestling Show. You know, all f- big friends of uh, the show, they've been on the show numerous times, and uh, we're going to be sitting down with those gentlemen, and we're going to be doing our own little brand of humor and fun facts, uh, commentary tracks over the films of Stephen King, you know, we're New England people, and, uh, that's the world, uh, of, of Stephen King is in the New England area, we're all in his universe, you know what I mean, so, we're better folks to tap in, do a little lampooning, and throwing some facts around, you know what I mean, now, you can either watch, uh, with a movie, at home, like a commentary track, or you can listen in, just as for podcast, pleasure, you know what I mean, but, uh, hopefully you enjoy, and here they are, those pesky, dead kids of Derry.
2: I always found that that was really an interesting, like, this scene, too, in particular. Like, Nancy Allen gets pissed at Carrie for getting in trouble for torturing Carrie. Mm-hmm. Like, that's, like, the most narcissistic shit you could possibly ever have yep. in your entire life.
1: Yeah, Very mean girl.
2: Mean girls yeah. for mean girls. This is the mean what? girl's mom.
0: This is the,
3: yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, mama.
1: yeah, I'm surprised I never was a mean mom's. That would have worked. That would have worked a lot.
3: Like this chick right here right now in this scene, I just wanted to like reach to the TV and punch her right in the freaking face.
2: Oh, Yeah, of course. She's got that spoiled brat. But again, it, it just goes back to she's playing the role she's meant to play. Yeah. You know, she's doing the job. Like, yeah, at the Palma regular. Everybody,
3: yeah, everybody was perfectly cast in this
2: movie. She, yeah, she was at
1: the Palma regular. I think she was also in *Dressed to Kill* with that he did, and she was in uh, *Phantom of the* *Phantom of the, the
2: Paradise*.
1: *Phantom of the Paradise* show, yeah,
2: which is a great film, really fucking great. fantastic. My I still have to check movie. that one
4: out.
2: It's good oh, one. oh, Tony, you got to get on that, brother. That movie is awesome.
1: It is. Awesome. I've got so the Blu-ray. Good. Nice. Yeah, that's the best way to have it too, and it's like a musical, but like is that done really well? Rock opera, it's like a rock very, opera, yeah, rock very ice. rocky it horror. Send anybody.
2: Very rocky horror.
1: <laughs> it is rocky horror. Yeah.
2: Um, what was I going to say? We also have in our Mean Girl crew a pre-Halloween PJ Souls. Yes, wow. it is. It's before her name was. Very popular for two or four years or nine, ten, twenty, thirty, five. Nobody remembers her for Carrie. Everybody remembers her for Halloween, but I remember her for Carrie because she was like an absolute cunt in this movie. I also remember Rock and Roll High School. Yeah, I was gonna say Rock and Roll
1: High School as well. She said stripes as well, isn't she? Yeah, Yeah. stripes, Private Benjamin, I think. Yeah, Yeah,
2: Halloween jumped it all off though. That was yeah.
1: She was one of those actresses that, go, that that like made her way around, you know, all the, the bigger eighties
2: in a good way. You know what I mean? The bigger eighties movies of those times. Yeah. She there's a couple. There's a couple like that. Leanna Quigley. You know. Yeah. They were there and they were just in everything and yep. it's fucking cool. Nancy Allen too. I mean, besides yeah. the Palma, she was in a shitload of stuff in the eighties. It's true.
1: Their faces, <laughs> like.
2: It's really weird to see the. Uh, the angry mom from Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, so young <laughs> in this movie. I'm just saying. I've always, you know, really strange. <laughs>
1: there's that young, that, that actress they just showed with the glasses too, like that nerdy girl. She's yeah, like Ferris Bueller's day off, and she's in License to Drive. She's in a bunch of cool shit. Like, I think
3: Hah. she wore the same glasses in License to Drive. <laughs> Uh I said, I think she had the same glasses and license to drive. I think
1: so. That was her gimmick. You know, back in the day, they were like wrestlers. You got your gimmick. You stuck with your gimmick until you were dead.
2: Well, the eighties, the seventies, and the eighties, man, they were like a breeding ground for like just fantastic character actors. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like these people made the rounds, and they made some awesome stuff. I mean, Fred Willard was right in the middle of this, and that guy's a fucking legend. Rest in peace. Yes, he just passed a couple months back, I think. Yes, he did.
1: Stephen King, The Ultimate Master. The, you know, these shows are a lot of fun. They're going little, like, compilation. Fun, tidbitty things. They're a lot of fun to do, so be on the lookout for them in the future. Uh, next up, to keep the vibe scary, uh, Boombastic Media also has a paranormal show uh, on, on the unexplainable and all those weird things. That show is called Mostly... Ghostly and uh, the gentlemen talk about ghosts and mostly ghost things you know now the show's uh, ghost uh, all the spiritual things, paranormal crypto you know anything kind of unexplainable we talk about in this show the shows myself and Mr. Ray Booten Mr. Ray boone has been a medium um, for as long as I can remember. Um, And he's got degrees in different types of spiritualism, and the guy knows his shit, you know what I mean? Let's just say that. I'll cut it right to the chase. The guy knows his shit. Um, So you take a gentleman that knows his shit, and a gentleman that knows a little bit, you know what I mean? And uh, enjoys good questions and good discussions on the topics, and you know, you'd be, the, you'd be the judge, I guess. But, in case you was wondering, here's a little teaser titty bit of that show. Which is mostly ghostly. But who, who officially are these black-eyed children you might ask yourself after hearing a history lesson? Well, I mean, you know. They're also called black-eyed kids. Uh, They're very mysterious beings that look to be of kids between the age of 6 and 16 as we talked, They only appear at night to unsuspecting adults alone in parking lots to their homes. The kids come in groups of more, uh, two or more, and often ask for favors. Mainly, can I come in and use the phone? Get that vampire aspect Mm -hmm. to it. Um, They need a ride home or come in to get something to eat or use the bathroom. Few people who have interactions with the black-eyed kids express feeling unexplainable fear when the children are near. Uh, No one really knows where they come from—extraterrestrial, UFO, vampire. Like I said before, demons. You know, you know Uh, a number of the assumptions that it could be made that what these things are. Um, You know, now real quick, let's let's dive into the. What's your take on this area of them being like an extraterrestrial?
3: Uh, I would say probably not. I have a different theory about uh, the gentleman who first put it out there and what they might be. Yeah. Um, if you take a look at somebody who is involved in, and in I'll use a broad term, the dark arts, and wants to open a portal to make people more susceptible, then they create a legend and give it life so that people seek it out, and by borrowing from other legends and other folklore from different countries, they create this thing so that now people start focusing on it. It grows and has another way of getting uh two people or involved with people who are naive, who are naive and don't realize that there's a potential in there for something evil to be about. Yeah. I agree with that, you know.
1: What do you think about the vampire? The Vampire theory. I think I don't know about that one.
3: Uh, not unless they're gonna suck the soul out of you. Yeah, that is your life, really.
1: You know what I mean. And the demon thing, I think it might be a little. I think it's more of a demon thing. To kind of go off of what you were saying, people dabbling, um, maybe a portal where these things came through, or maybe a bad energy that. Uh, what do you what, what do you think about maybe if there was a group of friends that all like died together and maybe they were doing something. Maybe they were dabbling in dark arts foolishly and they, you know, because of whatever they died. Now, do you think that their, their bodies or their, their presence would be used as vessels to
3: scare and maybe burn, suck in other people? It could be. I'm also taking a look at if you take, when was that first, uh, that guy first come out? I think 96. Was it? Was it- yeah, so if, you, if you're talking about in the 90s and you're talking the birth of the Internet and you're also talking about evil entities, then here is another vehicle uh, they have to gain power and to spread. So it's not surprise that uh, not a surprise to me that suddenly uh, they would show up in one form on the Internet. Yeah. Uh, using children and using... The, uh, convenient story to get people interested Mm -hmm. Uh, even if the person being interested uh, who has the interest is not interested in evil at least they're making connection and spreading the story spreading their ability to connect with people and their power
1: true so there there could be some type of psychic vampire type situation going down maybe
3: uh, psychic vampire or I really think that uh, we've, we've said it before that evil, uh, particularly demonic, will often take the form of children. So creating a legend about ch- black-eyed children kind of keeps that interest there and uh, keeps people susceptible. Sure.
1: Yeah. I got uh, some of that Brian Bethel's encounters. I got some info on that. So that's, we'll, we'll roll through that. His accounts, which is pretty interesting. You know, him being one of the first people to ever uh, you know, document something like that. Published back in 1998 in his blog. Uh, and the way it goes down is a little bit something like this. It was around 9.30 p.m. on January 16th, 1998. Brian left his apartment in Albion, Texas for the Dropbox to pay his internet bill. On the way, he stopped at the, do- the Dollar Movie Theater. Next to his service provider's building, they used the glow of the marquee as a light to make out his check. Dollar movie theaters, Ray. Remember those days? Oh, yeah. Uh, As he did this, there was a knock on the window and he saw two young boys. Uh, He placed them between 10 and 14 years old. He described the boys as boy number one was slightly taller than his companion, wearing pullover. Uh, with a hooded sweatshirt and a sort of gray checkered pattern and jeans. He couldn't see his shoes. His skin was olive colored and had curly, medium length brown hair. He exuded an air of a quiet confidence. Boy number two had pale skin with a trace of freckles. His primary characteristics seemed to be looking around nervously. He was dressed in a similar manner to his companion, but his color. Pullover was light green color. His hair was short, uh, was sort of pale orange. They didn't appear to be related, at least directly. So that's kind of like an interesting when 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 I when I originally think of like uh, black-eyed kids, what I assume when you're approached by them is that they would both, if there was to be one that you would assume to be the leader of the pack, it would be. It'd be uh very, it'd be very like it'd be a little only a slight difference between them, you know. When when it says how one of them looked nervous, like it was looking around, you know what I mean. I would not, I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be expecting one of them to look nervous if they were if they were there for a reason, um, you know what I mean. What does that tell you? The nervous, that one acting nervous, it's weird. It's it's too human, like you know what I mean. What do you think? Ooh, that was really scary stuff. I don't know if I could take any more scary stuff. Let's 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 lighten up the mood a little bit, shall we? Let's journey into a more more fluffier territory. Did you say you like pop culture-y things? You like films? You like television? Stand-up comedians? Um, all types of cool... Cool, different artistic avenues and uh, entertainment throughout. Then we have a show for you. This show is the Boombastic Cast. That's right, folks. I think you might have heard of the Boombastic Cast in your in your travels. Uh, the Boombastic Cast is myself and my brother from Boombastic Films, Alexander the Hawk, uh, where we gather on this show to have fun, of course, and play some fun and games and jokes and all that good stuff and uh, we like to talk about you know films from from the 50 cent mark all the way to 500 million a little inside baseball talk with films um and all that good stuff and TV shows that we all grew up on and loved and just all those things. if you grew up in like the eighties and lived through the nineties, I think you'd get a kick out of that show. You know what I mean? And we interview wise we mix it up with two different types of celebrities. One, the celebrities that I guess everybody would know, so to speak. You know what I mean? Uh, bring on some cool people, talk to them about their come ups and all that. And then there are the celebrities is so we like to really showcase our boombastic people so you'll go on there and you might talk to somebody that's been moving and grooving with the boom for 15 years or whatever, and uh, we'll interview that gentleman or gentlewoman give them the proper respect they done deserve, put some respect on their name, and uh, take that journey with them, and uh, those are just as interesting and fun as the bigger celebrity guests I feel, but uh, you be the judge and here's a little clip it but because we know how y'all folks is, we picked one of our more known, I guess, celebrity guests for, for, the, for the teaser, for the big teaser, trial sampler edition type deal. Um, there you have it. Enjoy. Uh, any good stories from the set or working with the, Mr. Tarantino?
5: Okay, Tarantino is... Another... I think he's an alien. (laughs) I really do. It was really interesting to see him and Bruce Dern try to stump each other with different trivia. And it was a battle of great minds. And uh, when I got on that, uh, I was in California and uh, a stunt buddy of mine called me and says Tom take a selfie right now and send it to me right this minute and I said I just woke up he goes exactly take a selfie and send it to me fine and I sent him one on my butthole and uh, (laughs) and he goes no I'm serious send me a selfie okay and I uh, uh, sent him one and he goes can you be in New Orleans tomorrow I said, sure why he goes Going to be on a Tarantino film. I'm great! And uh, I found out that what was happening was they were hiring cowboys to do the 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 uh, Klu Klux Klan Clan and yep. horsemen, and they wanted guys on horseback. And Tarantino says, "Don't we have any ugly cowboys that we need? I mean, these got to be ugly men." Okay. And Tarant and and my friend says, "I know where we can get you an ugly one." <laughs> <laughs> and he'd had me sending that picture. And uh but uh he would unset several times and go, Where's ugly guy? Hey okay, you're right, you're right up front, you come up here. And uh and he has this tendency to he is a master at filmmaking and making people love the filmmaking process. And he would turn around to the entire crew and go should we do another take of that? And everybody would yell, yeah! Why? Because we love making movies! And he had music playing in between. Three, the sections that I saw, three cameras on set, three top-notch DPs. Yet Quentin Tarantino's eye is going to be at every camera. Uh, yeah, we had a thing where I kicked the heck out of Jamie Fox, and I. Oh, what's the guy? I made a comment of. I said, "So is this kind of like?" Um, I'm drawing blanks on the name now. The the, the guy that the, they beat up in California. In Rodney concert. King.
1: Rodney <laughs> King. Was it Rodney? Oh, no, newer? No. Well, this would have been been George Floyd. Yeah, Rodney King.
5: Rodney King, yeah. Yeah, This is kind of like the Rodney King scene and, you know, you're on the set of a slave movie.
1: Yeah.
5: So, silence and Mm. dirt looks. And then Quentin pops up and goes, yeah, this is our Rodney King scene. And suddenly it was funny. Everybody laughed. Of course. When Tom Proctor said it, it was politically incorrect. <laughs> but if, if said- Quentin said it, it was, it was, of course, the exact right thing to do. Of course. But I, I just an incredible man
3: Yeah,
5: and, uh an absolute love of making a movie and keeping, likes people happy and well taken care of while he does it. Was he playing Morricone
1: scores, or was he playing regular just music music on set?
3: It was
5: all over the place. Yeah. It was whatever, I don't know, it was, you know.
1: Like band stuff, or just like, you know, scores,
5: or everything? No, like uh, Top 40 Hits, One, one, some was uh, Pop Culture, and then there were some Alternative, and you know, he had a DJ on set. Oh yeah,
1: DJ Stan the Man. that have been cool. Um, yeah, I, Django was good times. I, I, you know, I'm a big fan of Tarantino, and I tell Alex this all the time. You know, like I always feel like the Django was a resurfacing in a way for QT because, you know, Death Proof came out and it's I, you, I rewatched it later and I, I liked I liked it at the time, but it was like it fell a little short of a typical Tarantino movie. And then Inglorious Bastards came out or vice versa. They were flipped. Mm -hmm. And with Inglorious Bastards, I remember like half of the movie was really good. And then the other half I wasn't, you know, jiving with. But when he did um, did Django, I was like, all right, he's back in action. You know what I mean? Like I really, Django is probably one of my top three favorite films of his, you know. Great movie. Yeah, Tarantino's the man, you know, and he's, you know, I'm glad that he has a good environment like that. You know, I've heard he's a big film fan himself, so like, it's good that you don't hear bad, you know, bad stories.
5: No, he uh, he is what his, his his position has not gone to his head.
1: Yeah.
5: Other than the fact that he thinks budgets does not apply to him. Right. <laughs> yeah. And if you make the kind of money that Tarantino does on his films, then budgets probably don't apply to you.
1: Oh, yeah. The, uh, he, he's one of the, you know, it's funny because Tarantino is one of those dudes that some people like to hate every now and then for whatever reason. We love him here. Um, I said what I said about those films, but we still love him. But, uh, yeah, Tarantino is like, you got to respect it. He, you know, he kind of came from nothing. Mm-hmm. and he he went to the heights like there's none bigger than tarantino you know what i mean yeah. uh yeah it's cool and uh you know you can always if he puts out a movie you, you know you're not going to be disappointed if you're going to go see it you're going to have fun you're going to enjoy it you know what i mean which you can't say that for everybody making films nowadays <laughs> that was really fun. That was really fun and really knowledgeable too, I gotta say. I felt I feel like I'm a hell of a lot smarter now that I've uh, you know, now that I've dove in and really gotten the gotten the vibe for the Boom Baster cast. Those guys over there, man, I'd like to meet those guys one of these days. They're good guys. They seem like great guys, you know what I mean? Real passionate about what they do. I'm gonna give them all my money. You should too. Let them make more movies what a world next up we got a show in the deepest darkest bowels of bombastic media uh, where others are afraid to go like a dark web situation and uh, this show is the Behold 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 a Pale Podcast now that's one behold if you're going to look for that on Spotify then that's the straight Behold a Pale Podcast. And if you like conspiracy things, truth or discussion, you know, we don't really like to call it a conspiracy show because right off the bat, people automatically think that you are one of those crazy people that say that you know, Sandy Hook didn't happen, and, you know, the Holocaust, what didn't happen, and all, they all automatically jump immediately to, uh, the worst case scenario with that, that's what I'm told, that's what I'm told, but, uh, this show, I know, is more of a devil's advocate type play, they like to take these, these theories, and they really like to dive in, and devil's advocated, and, play both sides of the field a little bit on it and kind of see why the other person would think that and why the other side would think this and what we kind of think our opinion is, you know and if you like that type of stuff you'd probably get down with Behold a Pale Podcast and if you want to know for shizzle for sure well guess what, we got a little taste we got a little taste for you so with that being said enjoy a little taste of Behold a pale podcast.
4: Um, the first time that I heard anything uh, remotely uh, along these lines was the movie uh, "Conspiracy Theory" with Mel Gibson and Julia Roberts. Yeah, there's there's a point where you know, you know, she uh, Julia Roberts is talking to Mel Gibson, and he makes a comment about you know there's going to be an attempt uh, on, on the president's life by uh, setting off an earthquake. And he's like, you know, these Secret Service guys can't just throw themselves on the earthquake to uh, protect the president. And, of course, you know, it's left off as one of the ridiculous um, theories that, you know, he throws out there. And then at the very end, as Julie Roberts is running around trying to save Mel Gibson... On the, mo- on the TV, it talks about like a sudden earthquake that happened exactly where the president was. Mm-hmm. I know it, it's, it's a movie, but I just thought that was a funny little, little thing. Nice Since little detail. Talking, yeah. Uh, some life-imitating art there. Yeah. So, I mean, the thing is, I've, I would not be surprised uh, that, you know, it's definitely one of those possibilities out
1: there. Is that why what? they de- is that why
4: they destroyed Mel Gibson's career?
1: Because he made yes. conspiracy theory? Oh. Yes. Oh, he did yes. that
2: himself.
1: He pulled out that big brave heart sword and took a swipe himself in his career. <laughs> you can't blame nobody else but himself. He had the passion of the Christ to destroy his career and by God he did it. You know yeah, I
3: mean? yeah, passion. Passion. Yeah,
1: sure. yes. Passion. Passion sure. moves moves fucking mountains. You know what I mean? Um, we t- often talk on this show with, you know, weather manipulation, how it's quite possible that the future of, like you were saying, you know, we got wars, the future of maybe an assassination or something uh, can be done via manipulating the weather. You know, if you, you were able to create, you know, a tsunami, uh, is really just a little earthquake under the water, if you're able to implant uh, some type of explosive low enough or, you know change the change the, the temperatures of the tides and such can mess with it as well. Um, and you were able to create a tsunami that would wipe out an East Coast that held somebody important you wanted dead or you just w- wanted to make a point. You know, I, I think that the future is stuff like that where you can't exactly point a finger and blame a person or a country for that damage. You have to say, hey, it was a natural disaster.
4: It was an act of God.
1: Which brings all new meaning to natural disasters of the WWF days. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I mean, this is one of those weird ones that, you know, it sounds very weird, but as you dive deeper into the science of this, it's like, well, cause you go, you think, well, how are you going to just, you to catch wind and figure out a way to, you know, throw it in a different direction, which that's part of it. But you also have the things of, you know, Putting, you know, putting heat in a place that shouldn't be, which would cause temperatures to change and such like that. You know what I mean? It's a lot of weird, weird stuff. So uh, without any further idea, I'll pop up into HORP and a little things behind Horp. Now HARP, which uh, stands for High Frequency Active or uh, Aerial Research Program. Pretty sure that's how it's done. Uh, you know, it's, it was initiated as an ionosphere research program jointly funded by the U.S. Air Force and the U.S. Navy. The University of Alaska Fairbanks and the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, DARPA. Um, it was designed and built by BAE Advanced Technologies, Its original purpose was to analyze the ionosphere and investigate the potential uh, for developing ionospheric enhancement technology for radio communications and surveillance as a university-owned facility. HARP is a high-power, high-frequency transmitter used for the study of the ionosphere. Um, BAE Systems, British uh, multinational arms security and aerospace company. Its headquarters are in London, Farnborough, in the United Kingdom, with operations worldwide. Um, the most prominent instrument at HARP is the Ionosphere Research Instrument, the IRA, a high power radio frequency transmitter. Um, which, you know, the, that is an electronic device which produces radio waves with an antenna. The transmitter itself generates a radio frequency alternating uh, current, which is applied to the antenna. Um, you know, faci- faci- the facility, this, trans- this, um, this IRA facility operating in the high frequency band, the IRA is used to temporarily excite a limited area of the ionosphere. Other instruments such as V uh HF and UHF radar uh which is you know UHF is uh it's like
4: frequencies right? right
1: yeah 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 you got that right uh a fluxgate magnetometer uh is a disorganed and ionospheric sounding device and an induction magnetometer are used to study the physical process that occur in the excited region. So the excited, exciting. It isn't like the excited, the earth are of Alex. It's like, it's the, <laughs> this, the, the mixing of the, the temperatures and such. I feel.
4: I don't know. I mean, uh, I think we're talking about the same thing here because, you know, when the earth moves, I get excited. If you know what I mean, <laughs> you were excited by everything. Then I wish oh, I could be yeah. as excited. There's a
1: song about that. I wish I could be as excited as you. Um, work work on the Harp facility began in 1993. That was a good year. The current working IRA was completed in 2007. Its prime contractor was the BAE Systems Advanced Technologies. As of 2008, Harp has incurred around 250 million in tax-funded construction and operating costs. In May 2014, it was announced that Harp program would be Uh, permanently shut down in the later year after discussion between the party's ownership of the facility and its equipment was transferred to the university of Alaska Fairbanks in August of 2015. Harp is the target of conspiracy theorists who claim that it is capable of weaponizing weather commentators and scientists say that the, that advocates of this theory are uninformed. That's us gentlemen, but as claims made, uh, Made fall well outside the ability of the facility, uh, if not the scope of natural science. Yeah, I don't know. I think they're just trying to blur it up there. They're uh, them calling them using those those terrible words. I I won't hold it against them. Um, They're just trying to protect themselves. It's a weird thing, you know what I mean? I think this could be one of the most, you know, one of those the most. Uh, possibly, when I think of this, I think of the fucking Ghost Containment Unit, Ghostbusters. Nice. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where like they, they dabble with it, and one day it's <clears> gonna leak <throat> out all this bad stuff that we don't want to deal with.
4: It's it's emitting the sound that keeps the thing in like hibernation.
1: Oh my, that was scary, I gotta change the locks on my doors, get all the VPN numbers switched up on my fucking computers, take the chips out of my cell phones, I gotta wear tinfoil hats, now I'm very scared, I'm very scared of the world that we live in now. It's a horrifying place. The boys at Behold <laughs> told me oh, bad things are around us at all times. We don't even know it. I got to listen to find out more bad things that are around me at, at all times to stay away from these bad things. Well, if you followed us all the way on this journey through Boombastic Media's current show status, I applaud you. Absolutely, Pat you on your back. Shake your hand. You know, give you a nice, warm, home-cooked meal if need be. You know what I mean? You've done good. You showed up today. You put your boots on. All right? You did what not, not everybody can say they did. They lasted this entire teaser episode. And I thank you for that. We appreciate the support. For all y'all people out there upset about... Uh, shock treatment with Mel and Maddie closing out season two. Don't fret, because uh, I heard from a little birdie there might be some more shit coming out at your ass, uh, shock treatment style. You know what I mean? So stay in the loop. It's been a lot of fun. You know what I mean? And uh, we'll see where things go. But you got those shows to check out for now. And like I said, there is still a couple more shows to pop off before the end of this season on the treatment. And uh, we'll see what's going down with everything. So, thanks for listening. Keep those other podcasts. Stay in the loop. Uh, Don't unsubscribe because you never know what's going to float in. You know what I mean, Georgie? All right. Check out them other shows. Check out the Patreon boombastic streaming patreon check out the boombastic media youtube page where you can see all the shock treatment tv video interviews and you can see all the BoomBasticast cast video interviews and all that good stuff we got holiday specials we have film stuff you name it we got it all right polly all right polly with that being said have a great night great day great everything and we'll catch y'all on the next episodes of all these podcasts
0: Shock treatment has been given for depression for something like 40 years now. It's a very successful and uh, useful treatment for severe depression that doesn't respond to other things. But patterning is a use of electroshock treatment in a totally different way, in which instead of giving the shocks, say, two or three times a week, uh, they're given two or three times a day for three or four weeks, reducing the patient to a sort of animal, vegetable state from which it's hoped that they would recover in a, uh, a more healthy state of mind.